The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Alright everybody, welcome to This One Is A Doozy, and uh, I am one half of the hosts of the show, Kevin, and I'm joined by my lovely bride, Haley. Haley, what do you want to say to the people? Hi. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Nailing it so far. Tonight, tonight I am also joined by a little bit of wine. Ooh, what kind? Red wine. Wow, fancy. I know what it is, but I don't remember what it is out the top of my head. It's a but red. It's a good wine. It's a red. It's a red. So what are we doing here? So we are here to talk about the darkest, some of the scariest, spookiest. Just like generally unsavory. Yes. But is it though? We Unsettling. Talk- I've just yes. been looking for an excuse to use the word unsavory in a sentence, mm. just like in everyday conversation. Mm. And because most of my day spent talking to little people, small mm. children, little humans. Okay. So let me I say this. I don't get to use unsavory very often, yeah. you know. Let me say this. Everyone, welcome to the unsavory, unsettling, un... It is scripted, sort of. Unscripted. <laughs> yeah. I, t- I typed up a whole, a whole small uh, dissertation <laughs> about uh, about the case that I'm going to be telling you about today. This is unsavory, unsettling, and uninhibited. Wow! I know. Oh, look at you. I know. I know. That's for the really intelligent people listening in. I bet everybody who's listening in is really intelligent because they saw the word doozy and they're like, oh, this is going to be how I scratch that like That's right. intellectual it. itch. Yeah. Yes. yes. For sure. Because doozy is uh, just such a high, high quality class. word. Yeah. High oh, yeah. class we word. Were, we were right there. It should be considered uh, just the word of the year <clears throat> this year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's my argument. It's my case. So like, why are we here? Is this something that... I think this is a good question for you to answer. What, why, why, why are we discussing such doozies? Well, I have about 15 minutes of free time between the hours of 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. And then I've got a few more hours of free time late, late at night. And I found myself just falling down a lot of different rabbit holes of things that I thought were really interesting. And they happen to be... Uh, true crime and 
you know, weird things people catch on camera. Because people catch some weird things on camera because mm. everybody's cameras are always going. And yes. so you're bound to catch something strange and, you know, fun folklore and that kind of stuff. And every single night, pretty much, you'd get home from work or, or get done with work if you were working from home. And I would just kind of unload <laughs> on you <laughs> and it would be all over the place. There's no timeline to be mentioned. It was never linear. Uh, but that just got me thinking, you know, I've read some crazy things in my day and it would be pretty fun to sit down and just bewilder you in a much more formal setting yeah, and record it and share it for all two people that will probably listen, which yeah. is like our moms. Yeah. We'll have a few other people who listen for fun. Yeah. Every once in a while. Yeah. So are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. But first I think you have a, a fun fact. Not oh fun fact. yeah. Thanks Let's, for reminding me. Yes. So I thought it would be really great and wise and just generally kind to anybody who may happen upon uh, what we're doing here to start off with a feel-good fact of the day, if you will. That's what it was. So today's feel-good fact of the day is that, much to my chagrin, I learned today that there is a holiday, and it is referred to as Appreciate a Dragon Day. Ooh. And we missed it again. Oh, dang it. We missed it again. We used to have a dragon. We used to have a dragon long ago and far away. But I'm picking a dragon to appreciate. Yes. Uh, The dragon that I am choosing to appreciate today is uh, Eustace Clarence Scrub. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Mm. It's one of the best lines in literature. Incredible. (laughs) And I will fight to the death to protect that truth. But yeah, uh, overall, that is a dragon that I appreciate. Mm, what I dragon appreciate do you dragon. appreciate? Um, you can't pick the same one. That's I the only rule. I won't, even though I'm tempted to. I would like to appreciate, I don't remember any of the names of the dragons, but the Dragon Tales dragons. I, you know what? I thought he's going to go Komodo or he's going to go Dragon Tales. Yeah, Dragon Tales. I can't tell you a single thing about Dragon, ta- dragon Tales, but I remember dragon tales mm-hmm. and i feel like I feel like everybody our age vaguely remembers dragon tales like in the background of yeah. parts of their childhood yeah well and it was popular when i had young cousins mm-hmm. that were wanting to watch shows like that totally and for me i don't think it was around when i was a child but it would def it definitely was mm-hmm. around when I was an older kid or young teenager. So you're like actually like aware of it. Yes, exactly. I get that exactly. totally. I appreciate those dragons too. Good, cool. You, well, you better. I wow, <laughs> jeez, you make everybody think that you're really like aggressive. Sweet, wow. sweet, sweet, gentle, loving Kevin. Are you ready for today's story? I'm ready for the doozy. Well, good. Strap in, because this one's certainly a doozy. Ooh. All right, so let me set the scene for you. Mm-hmm. It's Australia, April of 1935. So at this point in time, uh, in Sydney, Australia, uh, the public was on edge due to a surge of shark attacks in the area. From what I was able to find, there had been at least six documented shark attacks in the area in the last like year and a couple of months. So there were three young men that had been killed by sharks. Wait, in Feb- is, so is that a lot for an area like 
like an ocean town. Well, everything I was reading, we are very landlocked here. Yes, yes. <laughs> Zero sharks here. Uh, from what I was reading, it was like a major upswing. And okay. what I'm going to tell you next will kind of feed that a I little see. bit. So there were three young men that had been killed by sharks in February and March of that year in New oh. South Wales. So it was like really recently, yeah. three young men. Half of the annual deaths of sharks was within eight weeks. Yes, I which is yeah. extremely notable. That'd be a lot. <clears throat> so that was just on New South Wales beaches, like just in that area, wow. which is a huge deal. So people were on high alert and sharks were being hunted down due to the panic, which I can understand why people would be freaking out. But it makes me sad that they killed the sharks, mm-hmm. uh, protect the sharks. So they, they actually even had bounty hunters hunting sharks down. So on April 17th, 1935, a fisherman named Bert Hobson and his son Ron hooked a small shark off the coast of Coogee Beach, which is located about five miles away from the business district of Sydney. As he was reeling in his catch, a massive 14-foot tiger shark swallowed the smaller shark. <laughs> so the fisherman just, like, casually reeled them both in. It's like, okay. So in some sources, there was legitimate clarity that Bert had first hooked the small shark, and then the big shark came, and then others just said that the shark that was smaller was already in the tiger shark's stomach. It's just kind of weird. Like, hmm. the phraseology was different enough in both sources that sure. I just kind of felt like it was worth mentioning. But across the board at some point, smaller shark is inside of the stomach of the of the tiger shark. Yes. So. And the smaller shark is the one that's hooked. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I believe um, so. Amazing. I believe amazing. so. Yeah. So, instead of releasing or killing the tiger shark, the fishermen brought it to uh, the nearby Kuji Palace Aquarium and Swimming Baths, which was like a super popular indoor attraction at the time. So, it had things like an indoor swimming pool, an aquarium, obviously. You can probably guess that from the name. Um, <laughs> a great hall, which was used as a roller skating rink sometimes, which I thought was pretty sick. That's fun. Uh, donkey rides, swings, aviaries, rides, which I saw referred to as whirly gigs, which brought me true joy. Oh, Love that. The Australians um, really know how to name things. They do. They totally do. So, yeah, there was a ton of stuff to do is the point that I'm making. Um, It was a hopping place to be generally. Um, And at this time, it was a week before a national holiday that's celebrated in Australia and New Zealand, which is called Anzac Day. From what I can understand, it's kind of similar to holidays we have here, like Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Mm, Okay. So it's a it's a hopping time. So the fishermen brought the shark to Coogee Palace Aquarium and Swimming Baths with the idea that it would make a cool attraction for the upcoming Anzac Day celebrations that would be starting in about a week. So earlier I'd mentioned that um, due to the panic, just the general unsettled public panic, sharks were being hunted down and removed from beaches in droves. Like it was a really like historical time that they Hmm. took tons of sharks and and took them away. They actually thought this would be a really cool idea for people to get to see a shark up close in a controlled environment. So they literally just like, from what I have gathered, threw this shark in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, look at the shark, which is like, great, go for it. Live your best life. (laughs) So for the first couple of days, everything was going totally normal. Um, It was, I wrote, going swimmingly, parentheses, Mm. boo. (laughs) For the first week. So the shark was seen swimming and eating and doing all the things that a shark do. So um, (laughs) on April 25th, which is actually Anzac Day, there were tons of people around and uh, they were all looking at the shark and they noticed that the shark was kind of slowing down. It was like lethargic. Hmm. It seemed kind of off. It was just bumbling around the pool and it just looked sick. So... As the day went on, there was suddenly a 
big bustle happening hmm. around the pool look where the shark was. The shark had vomited. Stick with me for a second. The shark had vomited up a human arm. <laughs> what? Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you even wrap your mind around that? So, so this shark that they had captured. Yes, the tiger shark, the, tiger the large shark one, yes. Had not only eaten the smaller shark that they caught. Just like slurped up an arm. Well, I'm, 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 I'm waiting to hear. You're my good slurp sound. That's pretty that good. That's a great slurp sound. I'm waiting to hear what uh, you're you're gonna eventually get to because I have a feeling that there's something more coming that reveals. Kevin, you I, are so I astute. Tell. I can tell. Look at you. So worry. yeah. Initially, because as I've now over-explained, shark attacks were kind of happening a lot. Mm-hmm. So they initially just were like, "This has got to just be another unfortunate." Shark attack, incident, accident, gone wrong, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the they were able to retrieve the arm from the tank, and it was in, like, bizarrely good condition. So they took it to a medical examiner who determined the arm was not bitten off by the shark. Oh, what? <laughs> Isn't that so weird? <laughs> okay. So... so it- Okay. No, yeah, yeah. yeah going, let me explain. Going. Let me explain. I'll give you a little bit more context. So the medical examiner determined that the arm had been removed by a knife or some sort of like <laughs> sharp weapon or tool. And the cut was not surgical, meaning this wasn't like an amputation where, you know, when they go to dispose of. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this yeah. is not great. <laughs> it's like a new kind of panic for the yeah. lovely people of Sydney just trying to enjoy a. Not Special only have been three shark attacks, but someone else is feeding sh- people two sharks. Yeah, That's, just casually. Okay. Yeah, 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 pretty great. So, a um, bit of gross trivia for you. Mm. Uh, sharks have extremely acidic, acidic gastric juices, which, thank God they knew this at the time. Because since they knew this, they were able to determine like the rough time frame that mm-hmm. the arm had been inside the body. They determined it was um, inside of the shark between 8 and 18 days. So, like, if it had been, you know, if it had been swallowed less than a week before they caught the shark. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really think yeah. about it, the shark has been in the tank for a week, so it could have been swallowed literally that same day. Who knows? Yeah. But they would be able to tell if it had been just based off of how well-preserved right. the arm was. Um, they would be able to tell, like, generally a time frame. That's so, good. Yeah, yeah, so this is good. Good that they were able to tell that. Um, so it is important to understand this because since the arm was well-preserved, they were actually able to discover a fairly unique tattoo on the arm, mm. which uh, was of two boxers, like, squaring up, getting ready to punch each other. I know that that is the formal term that boxers prefer. Like, f- the f- yes. formal phrasing is squaring up to punch each other. Yes. 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 So, That's, Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was on the forearm of the victim. So they were also able to, wait for it, mm-hmm. run fingerprints. Successfully oh. run fingerprints. Isn't that cool? That's crazy. So some reports also say that there was some length of rope attached to the arm, but I haven't, I didn't really see that detail like consistently when I was researching. But whenever I see stuff like that, just yeah. like heads up, I'll probably at least mention it and just disclaimer that. This isn't across the board in every sure, source, sure. just so that you get that context, you know. Okay, so there was a man named Edwin Smith. I've mm. seen his name listed as Edward and Edwin, but I saw it more frequently as Edwin, so I'm just going to go with that. Sure. Um, so anyway, Edwin read a report posted in a Sydney newspaper that led him to call police and inform them that he believed that the arm belonged to his brother. 
He was later able to positively ID the arm and confirm that it did, in fact, belong to his brother. Uh, Side note, I found a copy of an article posted on May 5th, 1935 from like a tabloid newspaper called Truth. Um, I'm not sure if this is the article that um, Edwin had read that led him to call police. I I think it is. Not totally sure. But I wanted to talk about it super fast either way. So the article was called What Sick Shark Revealed. It's (laughs) it's really honestly super fascinating because there's like like scanned in you can see like the scanned in article like as it was written yeah it's not just like transcribed so it's cool there's like pictures of burton his son and pictures of the tattoo i think i'll i'll link it in the show notes so that people can look at it because it actually is really cool that's cool um it's worth your time if if you're interested in this case at all so anyways uh let's talk about the victim his name was jimmy smith uh jimmy owned a local billiards bar and he was what is called an sp bookmaker I had no clue what that was. <laughs> so <laughs> I looked it up and it's basically just a term for people who take bets at fixed odds. So that mm. can get hairy kind of fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, at that time in particular, actually, it was in Australia. Um, it led to a lot of problems, like things all the way from like police uh, corruption to racetrack rigging. Um, and it was extremely addicting. Like it didn't matter if you were super wealthy, super poor it was easy to get hooked on a fixed bet basically you know (laughs) um which can you you know you run into the wrong person with that and that can actually get straight up dangerous so as you can probably guess at some point jimmy had kind of fallen into the darker world of super illegal gambling which was (laughs) (laughs) apparently pretty prevalent at the time in sydney so he does sound like he was an interesting man he juggled a lot um throughout his kind of adult life and career um he had a like a failed boxing career he was passionate about boxing but just kind of wasn't able to make it to the level that he wanted to he did have a criminal history and he was a police informant uh which i thought was super interesting oh yeah Yeah. especially doing illegal activities but then also being the informant yeah like, was he doing the illegal activities because he was an informant, or was he just two-timing everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the question. So, uh, and he also worked, like, other odd jobs around Sydney. So this sort of lifestyle that he was living eventually led Jimmy to get connected to a super interesting character named Reginald Holmes. Reginald Holmes was a full—he was a full-blown character. I mean, he wore just about any hat— Someone could imagine. He was a self-proclaimed family man. He was respected at his church, which he reportedly donated pretty generously to. He owned a wildly successful boat building business. He just kind of sounds like an all-around good guy. Yeah. Um, but as if owning and operating a successful business wasn't enough for old Reg, he just didn't want to stop there, I suppose. Uh, he basically was using his business as a front for some pretty wild things like anything from like drug trafficking to insurance and forgery scams and list goes on yeah yeah Yeah, pretty bad so jimmy was basically one of holmes's like lackeys who kind of helped him pulled off the schemes so jimmy had a longtime buddy named patrick brady who would also kind of help him with the rigged booking and with the insurance scams he was running it's important name remember patrick brady Mm -hmm. okay I know I'm kind of hopping around a lot here, but we are going to move on to a specific event. We're going to talk about the destruction of the Pathfinder. And this all these loose ends oh. are going to tie. Don't worry. Okay. So the okay. Pathfinder was a yacht owned by Holmes that he basically, so what he did is he falsely insured it, but like way falsely insured it, like way more than it <laughs> was actually worth. Um, 
And then he hired Jimmy basically to like sink it so he could cash in on the like quote unquote insurance money that he had just taken out. Right, 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 um, right. Okay. When he files a claim on like the damages. So remember how I said Jimmy was a police informant? Yes. Yeah. So for one reason or another, Jimmy actually reported the incident as suspicious to police and Holmes found out about it. Ooh. <sighs> Spicy. Big yikes. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy, what a mess. <laughs> Uh, so once Holmes found out about this, uh, it's pretty needless to say that the two had a pretty nasty falling out. Uh, and the falling out was made worse when Jimmy began blackmailing oh, Reginald no. Holmes. Oh, no. <sighs> yeah. It's like, oh, Jimmy, just pull back the reins. Just run away, dude. Yeah, just, just skip town. Yeah. Go just, find somewhere else to. Yeah. But Sydney, that was so pretty. Maybe. I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. But also. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy. So um, in early April, I I don't know the exact day, but Jimmy had told his wife, who I saw was named Gladys, that he was going to go fishing. So on the night of April 7th, 1935, Jimmy was seen with Patrick Brady at the Cecil Hotel in Cronulla, I believe it's pronounced, um, enjoying drinks over a game of cards. Hmm. After a while, the two relocated to a cottage on Tulumbi Street that Brady had been renting at the time. So later on, Brady would take a cab to Holmes's house. I wrote Holmes's home because I thought you would think that was funny. <laughs> and then I decided to say house. <laughs> and then you actually said it. And then I said And I did chuckle. And now I'm me. explaining yes, to you. Yes. That's great. <laughs> Perfect. So anyway, so Brady took a cab to Holmes's house and he did that by himself. Where did Jimmy go? Dun, dun. Mm. <laughs> As our middle would say. Yeah. Uh, at some point. Between the time that Jimmy went missing and when his arm was discovered, a mysterious caller called Gladys and told her, don't worry, Jimmy will be home in three days time. Which like ominous, Mm. like, okay, no thanks on that. But like, I think we've all gathered by now. Jimmy did not return home in three Mm -hmm. days time. But like sidebar, if some random person called me, if you'd been missing for several days and told me you'd be back in three days, I don't even know what I would do. Like, poor Gladys. You would definitely not wait three days to see if I, I actually turned wait up. Three minutes. If you went, if you told me you were going fishing, I'd be like, what is going on between us? Well, that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> if I said I was going fishing, yeah. you'd be like, have a great time. You have so much fun. And if I said I was going fishing, you'd be like, <laughs> who are you? Where are you going? Are you a changeling? Actually? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, that is very suspicious are you doing behavior. Drugs? Yeah. I would report that as suspicious yeah. behavior. Fair, fair. <clears throat> so, Let's fast forward to when Edwin Smith had confirmed that the arm did, in fact, belong to his missing brother, Jimmy. So I told you before that they were able to get fingerprints off the hand. Mm -hmm. So obviously at the time, it's the 1930s, forensics were pretty limited. But technology was recently brought to the point that after, like, tons of work, they were able to um, match the fingerprints, essentially. Um, Okay. This sort of stuff is really fascinating to me. Like, it actually really is super interesting to think about just the nature of forensics and like how far it's come in a relatively short period of time and how many things we can figure out now using forensics. Yeah. It's really neat. And like, you know, how important those things are in being able to like give families closure and give yeah. them answers. Cause not everybody has a super notable, not, you know, not every victim of a crime has a super notable tattoo. Right. To, you know what I mean? Right. So anyway, I was thought that that was interesting, but so what do the police really have to work with here? 
They have fingerprints and a positive ID on the arm that's clearly been hacked off by another person. They know that he was last seen on April 7th drinking and playing cards with Patrick Brady. They knew something odd was going on with Reginald Holmes because he reported that right. activity as suspicious. Right. So they're kind of like on to him. At that point, it seems like up to that point, nobody really expected Holmes of like anything. They just thought he was right. a good dude who just made it, you know? Yeah. Um, so they knew that Jimmy also had had run-ins with the law. They had some criminal behavior under his belt and that he was an informant. And that's literally it. That's like all the information that they wow. had. So police be- began pursuing their super limited leads. Um, as they looked into Patrick Brady, they found out about his co- about his cottage, not his college, his <laughs> cottage um, that he was renting at the time of Jimmy's disappearance. And I mean, they had nothing else to go on. So they sort of zeroed in on Brady and the cottage as being the most likely location where Jimmy was killed. Mm. So they theorized that after killing Jimmy, he was most likely dismembered to some degree um, and then taken by boat and dropped into the ocean where a shark had helped himself to a little arm snack. Mm. <laughs> a little little after dinner arm. Yeah. Arm enjoyment. An arm, arm refreshment. Yeah. Really sad. It's not funny. A little treat. A little arm treat. <laughs> a little treat. So, uh, just doesn't sound right. <laughs> anyway, so police began interviewing people um, in the areas where they believed that Brady had frequented in the days leading up to Jimmy's presumed death. And I mean, think about it. They haven't really even proved that he's even necessarily dead. Right. We've got a pretty severe injury, at right. the very least. Some level of... He's um, definitely missing an arm. Sure as heck missing an arm. Yes. That arm is gone. So, okay, anyway, police began interviewing people in the area, and they were actually able to get in contact with a few taxi drivers who had driven Brady around during that time. It was here that the police were given a tip that would leave them all shooketh. (laughs) One of the last known trips that Brady took before the discovery of Jimmy's arm in the pool at the aquarium was none other than his trip to Holmes's home. Hmm. 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 So now we knew about that, but the police had absolutely no reason to suspect Holmes minus the like suspicious boat right. report, yeah, the whole the Pathfinder stuff. Yeah. So they didn't expect him because he was super well liked and respected. They had no idea how deep the crime and fraud ran with either Brady or Holmes, or I guess even Jimmy for that matter. Right. I mean, they had no knowledge that Brady and Holmes were even connected at all, except through Jimmy. Uh, which is easy to write off as like, you know, six degrees of separation, Mm -hmm. you know? Right, right, right. So with this new lead, they had to focus on getting Brady in and getting him to talk. So they actually brought him in on unrelated charges. They brought him in on, I think, some forgery charges. So he was interrogated for over six hours uh, when he eventually cracked. And the police brought in, oof, this poor man's wife. She was a mess. Like, girl, I get it. Like, oh, that would be really rough. They kind of like briefly filled her in on what was going on. And I just really feel bad for her. That would suck. So bad. So actually doing that worked. Brady requested a pen and paper and he wrote down a statement. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, as these things go, the statement didn't include anything that the police didn't already know at this point. Uh, But the most important thing in his written statement was his admission of his involvement with Holmes and the dirty, like, business that they'd been doing. Ooh. So, so he still pulled Holmes down with him. Sort of, yeah. Like, now they know. There's yeah. way more going on than building boats with this guy. Right. He's not just, like, this happy church guy donating money to his right. church and being a great dad and husband and all that kind of stuff. He's 
running some shady right. deals. So right. I don't know how we got here, but at some point, Holmes somehow uh, figured out that the cops were on to him. So he fled in one of his boats. So this is like... <laughs> It's like almost slapstick level <laughs> comedy weirdness, but like the police were chasing Holmes by boat when he eventually landed in the harbor and the police would like <laughs> start moving that towards literally. him in their boat. I like wish I could illustrate this. It sounds like Starsky and Hutch. Is what it- <laughs> <laughs> so they would like start moving towards him in their boat and then he would just like move further away <laughs> and then they would, he would just like zip off a ways, but like be close enough still that they could see him. But he knew, like, he's trapped in the harbor, you know? And so they'd, like, get closer and he'd zip off again. Oh, like, my gosh. It was ridiculous. So this weird zippy standoff was happening. I just get this image in my head of, like, super awkward standoff. Like, ignoring the problematic reasons for the standoff, it's, like, honestly delightful. Like, <laughs> to be able to have seen it. And, you know, there was actually a crowd there that had begun to gather. Oh that my would gosh. For surely agree with me. Uh, <laughs> so everyone was like, what the heck is even going on? So like, like, what are you doing, Reg? Like for real. So I'd, I'd have watched this go down so hard. <laughs> um, it's worth noting that Holmes was also apparently very sauced up. He'd been drinking and trying to make a dramatic getaway from the police <sighs> by boat. What a time. At some point in the chase, when they were in the Sydney Harbor, Holmes gun in hand spoke. Mm. He said, Jimmy is dead and there is only another left. If you leave me until tonight, I will finish him. Police who are bracing for like a guns blazing shootout between themselves and Holmes would instead only witness one gunshot when Holmes shot himself in the head. But, but this wound was non-fatal. Oh my gosh. (laughs) He survived. So he survived. Uh, So the bullet had only actually grazed the side of his head, like probably because he was super drunk and like probably raging high on like adrenaline from just the nature of what was happening during his big, exciting day. Oh, my God. So Holmes surrendered and the police took him in and he told a very different story than the story that Brady told. He told police that Brady had brought Jimmy's arm to him as sort of like a weird blackmail attempt for money. Like, I really don't, I don't get that. Like, you cut someone's mm. arm off so your rich buddy will give you money? Go off, I guess. Like, do Weird. you? Like, well, I, I mean, I like wonder. like question mark, like, go off? Like, <laughs> yeah. do you, do you? Well, I wonder if, like, maybe his thought, if this is true, if, like, the, the thought process would be, you're connected to this guy, and I'm connected to this guy, but we're not connected to each other, and I'm going to bring this to you, blackmail you, help me out, or else all this is going to come out like, you know, like kinda, a frame job, like a frame job, but like a mastermind is not really even framing him. It's actually like legit. <clears throat> like this is what's going to happen if you don't help me kind of a thing. And that's because yeah, that inevitably is what happened. I also, I just feel like Holmes was probably just like really drunk. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, that that is right. a good, that is a good theory because I feel like this case is a lot of theories. Yes. Um, so, uh, all it really took, to get Holmes to agree to appear in court for a coroner's uh, inquest was a threat by police of an accessory to murder charge. So he's like, all right, I'll cooperate. Fine. I'll come in. I'll do the inquest to the trial or whatever. Hmm. So on June 12th, 1935, it was time for the coroner's inquest to begin. Just for people who don't know, a, coroner, a coroner's inquest is like a trial to help determine cause of death if someone dies suddenly 
or if someone was murdered or if they died under just like generally mysterious circumstances. So the police went to go get Holmes from his house when they made a grisly discovery. They did in fact find Holmes, but they found him in his car. Oh no. Slumped over with three gunshot wounds to the chest. Oh. Obviously deceased in, in the chest. That's important. Yes. So they would later find out, as Reginald was privy to, he went out committing one last insurance fraud for us to remember him by. He took out a massive life insurance policy. And as is the case with most policies like it, uh, family would not be able to cash in if the policyholder had committed suicide. Right. So he went ahead and hired a hitman or hitmen to kill him in his driveway before the inquest could even begin. Like, from what I was reading, they didn't find, like, a gun on the scene. It's obvious that he didn't do it to himself. Wow. Mm -hmm. The day the trial was supposed to begin. Like, one of the two key witnesses. So, wait, they're they're confident that he actually hired a hitman for this. I don't know, like, if they were able to prove that, but all signs kind of point to that because he took out that policy, like, fairly, like, recently, and then suddenly is dead is murdered yeah weird yeah Yeah. so it's like suicide by hitman kind of thing yeah and he had plenty of money to like hire a hitman to do that right and like pay him a bonus if he wanted to yeah and then also give his family yeah they're taken care of and he doesn't have to deal with in my opinion the shame of what would likely be revealed at the trial like i yeah so that's a pretty big hit to the case to lose one of your two main suspects, essentially. Uh, So, alas, the trial blazed on without one of the most important people who was most likely, probably, definitely involved. Mm. So, a few noteworthy people at the trial, at the trial, (laughs) were the taxi drivers um, who had agreed to testify if necessary, Jimmy's wife, Holmes's wife, which I thought was... Really weird. Yeah. Because, like, I think that they just continued on. Like, I I think it was, like, the same day from what I was reading. I could totally be wrong on that, and I, I guess I didn't go back and, like, confirm that that was the day that the trial began. I just thought it was weird that Holmes's wife was was there. Yeah. Maybe it's not weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too hard. Well, it's like she doesn't have to be involved at this point since right. her husband died. But also maybe she did. Like, maybe everybody... Yeah. In the community is like still talking about her husband. So she's like, well, I'm going to go and try to clear the air or whatever. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. That's a good point. So um, as the chair. Wow. That is like the hardest (laughs) word, apparently. (laughs) As the trial began, uh, one major problem presented itself with no full body or remains apart from Jimmy's arm, they could not actually prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Jimmy was dead or that he'd been murdered. Another problem was with Brady himself. So he was a little guy. He was only 5'4". He was never known to be a violent man. So the the general unlikelihood of this small person who was generally pretty pleasant Mm. becoming a murderer who kills and dismembers and feeds his friends to a shark, like just seems like not super plausible. Hmm. And so like that coupled with not having a body, like let's just go through this for a second. Like he was able to pull off killing Jimmy, dismembering Jimmy, who was like a big guy. He was a boxer. He's not a little guy. So uh, he then dragged the dismembered parts to a boat or to a car and then to a boat. 
hoisted the body parts into the boat, drove the boat, hmm. hoisted each body part over the boat to di- like dispose of the body or whatever. Yeah. Like it just seems pretty far fetched. And that was kind of the main thing that they focused on. Like we don't have a body and this just seems super unlikely. Yeah. So a Unless, tiny dude taking, <laughs> oh no. Unless Holmes was also there. Oh, as a partner. Kevin, look at you. Is that in your notes? Are you going to tell tell me that in a minute? <laughs> I don't think it is in my oh notes. Oh my gosh. Wow. Slam dunk 90, for you. 90 years later. I am so proud Kevin. of you. <laughs> <laughs> so proud of you. A tiny dude taking on a boxer without any pushback. Like, mm. how would he restrain him? How would he pull this off? Right. It's all just too implausible. So after a day and a half of Brady's trial, he was acquitted on all charges. Wow. He's a free man. So for the rest of his life, Brady actually maintained his innocence. Uh, He went to the grave maintaining that he did not kill Jimmy. And the case remains unsolved. No. Yeah. There Uh. are several theories that people have, um, but I want to hear what your theories are. Well, I just said mine. My yeah, theory. That it was both of them? It was both of them together. Mm-hmm. And yes. Well, like if <laughs> Holmes would hire a hitman to kill him so his yeah. family could cash in on money, like it's really not hard to kind of surmise yeah. that he would be like, hey, Brady, help me with this. And I've got a huge chunk of change for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, this guy's going to be a huge problem. Mm. And we got to get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that does seem pretty likely. I could totally see that. So there's a, there's a theory that I thought was interesting um, that a local gang heard that Jimmy had been blackmailing Holmes and that he was a police informant. So they paid Brady to lure him to the cottage so that they could kill and dispose of him before Jimmy offered any incriminating information oh. to the police about that gang. So that is an interesting one. That's some context that obviously I don't know. Totally, totally. So that, but that... That almost makes more sense. Yeah. Well, and since he was afraid that he would be killed if he talked, Brady just never told anyone, which would make sense. Like, obviously, if you get acquitted on a murder charge, you're probably going to go your whole life pretending like you didn't do it, even if you did, or maintaining your innocence one way or the other. You know what I mean? But, like, he, it could have also been motivated by, like, genuine fear for his own safety. Yeah. He probably knew, like, at the end of the day, Brady probably did know. Yeah, who did it? Who did it? What happened? Yeah. And he just kept his mouth shut. Either way, he kept his mouth shut. So this theory makes a lot of sense. I did see a report that said that a few years after the trial. Tr- wow. <laughs> Third time's a charm. A trial. That, I just need to scrap that mm, word. Wow. Totally. Verger. S- the verger. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... A few years after Brady's trial, uh-huh, uh-huh. Brady's wife told someone that she snuck off to Brady's cottage rental because she thought he was cheating on her. And what she found was that Patrick was not there. Mm. But in fact, in the other room, she claimed to have heard multiple men's voices talking. It's inferred that Brady was out fishing or boating or I don't know, forging some docks, you know. Sure, yeah. Committing some insurance fraud. Out, out doing his <laughs> doing normal some, biz. Yeah, as he enjoyed doing. Um, and that's when uh, he came back to the cottage. Jimmy was dead and the gang made him help dispose of the body. That's a pretty popular theory. Mm. Um, another is that straight up Holmes did it, um, or at least definitely knew who did. Uh, and so he knew he was going to get caught. And so he 
had mm. somebody kill him, which is well, a strange having, thing to jump to. Have, having the context be that there is a gang involved in, in any of this, it it also brings to light the possibility that Holmes didn't hire a hitman, mm-hmm. but was actually murdered by that gang. Mm. That's because, totally true. Yeah. Well, they probably knew he's going to trial. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud. I said it. Good job. He's he's going to go in and he's going to talk because yeah. he's not going to want to go to jail. So right. we need to shut him up. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Super fascinating. You know, and he he could have hired the hitmen. That, that is plausible. That yeah. is something that old Reggie would there's, do. There's something with the gang. It feels important. That, that, that is killing... Yeah, that feels important, and that probably involves someone in the gang murdering Reginald. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it doesn't it, it can go either they were doing it to off him to protect themselves, or they were doing it because he paid them to yeah for him to protect his family. Totally. So yeah, I mean, I had written down that you know the the theory just about Holmes being the kind of soul yeah. Soul bad guy, murder man. Um, it's possible because he was running that giant drug trafficking situation right. under the guise of his boat business. He was committing all kinds of fraud. And Jimmy did tip police off about what Holmes was up to. Just like wow. at the very beginning of of the story, how he had kind of sold him out. So I don't know. So maybe uh. the gang somehow got wind that Jimmy told police and then came for Holmes at Holmes's homes mm. before he could implicate the gangs at court in any way. So it does not explain the sudden life insurance policy to assume that it was the gang, unless he straight sure. up just like knew, cause he could have been getting threatening phone calls sure. that we'll never know about yeah. Yeah. or, you know, letter correspondence or however people feel like is best to communicate in right. 1935, <laughs> 1930. So it wouldn't shock me, hmm. you know, if he, if he just kind of had an inkling so I think both of those theories do hold up pretty well. And yours. I'm proud of you that the two you. You. two prime suspects were actually in on it together. Right. I feel like this is important to mention. After the shark barfed up the arm, they freaking killed it. Oh. They performed an autopsy on the shark, which led to literally nothing. So it was completely pointless to kill oh. the shark. Like, what the heck? The shark didn't do anything. He didn't even kill a person. He just yeah. had an arm snack. Is that to, a crime? To be fair, they had to Don't. know. They had to know if there was any more of, of yeah, Jimmy's like, body in there. Whatever, Kevin. What are they gonna do? Just like, hey, one of us better throw some scuba gear and dive down there into his stomach and see if we can find anything. Like it ate the arm after someone else killed the guy. Like they saw that. True. It was. I mean, it barfed up. All it was gonna barf up. Like I hate it. R.I.P. Tiger Shark. Mm. You did nothing wrong ever. The only and I love innocent you. party here was the Tiger Shark. No, well, or the little shark in his tum tum. <laughs> the only real innocent party. That's true. The Tiger Shark was after after a meal. Jimmy was being a snitch. Reginald and Gladys. And she didn't do anything. That's true. She Gladys just trusted that her husband was going fishing when he was probably committing crimes. Yeah, that's true. Sweet Gladys. Oh, poor so Gladys. that is the story of Sydney's unsolved shark arm case. The shark arm and case. And I will be sure to link some articles and that newspaper that I told you about. Yeah, that's cool. Just for people to look at. I yeah. think it's interesting. So yeah, that is it. That wow. is what I had for you. I'd never heard that story before. That is. Quite the tale. Yeah. That ends in a f- fin. 
As in Boo, Finn. that's worse than Holmes's home. <laughs> As in the end, Finn. Anyway. <laughs> like, I well. knew what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you enjoyed this story or didn't, but trust that that there will be one in the future that you will like, you mm. can find us on Instagram and Twitter at our handle. This one is a doozy, all spelled out. Right? This yeah. one this one is a doozy. Uh, and interact with us there. Come hang out. Come say hey. Let us know if you know any crazy stories that my wife needs to tell me that I've never heard before. Because I've never heard any of these. Actually, ever. send those to the Gmail. Oh, yeah. Or, or yes, send them to uh, Gmail. Also, this one is a doozy at gmail.com. And we'll see how big of a doozy your story is. Yeah. Today's story was quite a doozy. It was a doozy. It had some twists. Lots had of some head turns, scratching moments. Lots of head scratching. Lots of, lots of, all, all roads led to Rome. And I didn't know how the heck they were going to, but they did. I know. I kind of hopped around a lot, but I'm they like, did. that's just the nature that's of this story. They, there's like, just a lot of pieces that all come together at the end. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Also, if anybody has any, like personal stories that they want to share. I We are starting off with true crime, mm. but I feel like it'd be fun to kind of dig into other kind of realms of the things that, mm-hmm. you know, the rabbit trails I fall down. Like, if you've got a cryptid story, if you've seen Bigfoot, I need to know. Mm. Mm. I need to know. So, yeah, any stories Ghosts. that you have, any in, inputs or insights that you might have, if I pronounce something wrong and you want to yell at me, uh, maybe don't Gmail that to me. Uh, you can if you just, yell at my wife, I will come <laughs> I after will you. Find you. I will find <laughs> you. <laughs> no, it's fine. You can yell at me if I say something wrong. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, if you have anything that you want to share or a request for a certain case or mm-hmm. a certain phenomena or a haunted place or something Ooh. cool like that, please send it to the Gmail. And we're really, really thankful. If, if it's just my mom listening, mom, I love you so much. Thanks for listening. And if anybody else is listening... Thank you, and I appreciate yeah. it, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Yes. This has been This One Is A Doozy. Pilot episode. Pilot episode, and we will see you back for episode two. Shortly. Thanks again. For Haley, I'm Kevin, and this has been... Un- this is... Un- this, no. this has been... <laughs> un- no, not unscripted. Unsavory. Unsavory. Un... Something and uninhibited. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have that down for the next episode. We made that up on the spot. <laughs> you literally made that up on the spot. I'm yeah. so proud of you. That was really clever, Kevin. I'm a poet, you know. That's <laughs> poet. <I'm> poet. <laughs> Be in my Instagram bio. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.